Welcome to the Seven Figure Impact Podcast, where I help men and women just like you who have a drive to make positive, powerful impact within their local community do so through licensed assisted living, group homes, and community have businesses. I'm your host, Ariana. I'm a co-CEO of a seven-figure home and community-based agency, former professional foster parent, mother of three children, coach, course creator, and so much more. I'm obsessed with helping aspiring providers break into the business of care without all the confusion, overwhelm, or even owning their licensed property. And I help current providers intentionally market, develop systems, streamline their back end, and scale their income. If you are wanting to build a business in care and make seven-figure impact, you are in the right place. Let's get it going. Welcome back to the Seven Figure Impact Podcast. My name is Ariana J, and I am so glad you are here. It has been a wild ride of a week. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that before we dive into today's episode. So by the time this gets out to you, all of this would be in the past, but it's important to me to uh, be as authentic as I possibly can. And it's also really important for me to share real world experiences as I'm having them. There's a lot of people out there that will only tell you about the good, right? All of the positive things that are going on, all of that. But what we do have to realize is that life is very, very real and there are good and bad with that. Okay. And so my week, as I said, has been a little bit chaotic, um, unexpectedly, of course, but that ain't going to stop us. Look, when life gives you lemons, we squeeze all the juice out of them bad boys. Okay. And we make a bomb lemonade made with pure cane sugar and love, okay? So that's what we do. And you might be like, oh, shit. She gonna tell us some really good stuff that happened this week. (laughs) And I'm gonna keep it real with y'all as always. And this is why I'm actually recording this episode with the title that it has, right? So let's go ahead and get into it. Story time real quick and why this episode came to be was this week we had a little bit of a crisis at our guy's group home. And it's not a if something is going to happen. It is a when something is going to happen, right? And and why do I say that? I don't say that because I'm like, want something bad to happen, right? It's just life and it's very, very realistic. And I want you to have a very realistic take on this, right? I want you to be fully prepared. And if you aren't going to be fully prepared, it's going to be a surprise to you. And it's just going to make for a much harder journey and i'm not tr- i'm not here to try to make everything be easy right because successful people it's not an easy journey right but i am here to be real so you can have realistic expectations of what things can happen right so for me this week we woke up it was a tuesday morning 
And we were notified that there was a pretty bad leak at our guy's group home. And when I say pretty bad, I mean, I mean, the house wasn't totally flooded, but it was a pretty bad leak. And we immediately went into crisis management mode, right? And we're going to get into what that could look like, but it was important for me to not sit there and wallow around in whose fault it was, how it could have been prevented, all of these things. Obviously, those are important things to talk about, right? As far as trying to figure out like what the actual problem was and the solution to that problem, right? But it doesn't do myself or anyone any good to wallow in that state. And that's what we didn't do. We didn't wallow in that state. We went right into crisis management mode. And I don't think that providers in the variety of forms that there are here on the interwebs and listening to this podcast, there's a variety of different types of providers. And depending on which you are, that is going to gauge on what your crisis management plan needs to be, right? But for us, we got it taken care of, right? And the appropriate things had to be done. What I want you to understand about business specifically in the cares industry, specifically when you are caring for people in the variety of forms of what it is, it is a machine, okay? And it doesn't stop. We are dealing with human lives, right? So this is a machine. My job is to keep the machine going, whatever maintenance that machine needs to keep on track, to keep going and keep producing. That's what my role is in the variety of different forms. So this is a machine that needs fuel, right? It needs all of the maintenance to stay in production. And that's what my job is. And so crisis management that we were dealing with with this week was due to a leak at our guy's group home and getting that leak fixed because it was pretty intense. To, trust me, I, when I logged into the camera and I seen the ceiling that had fell in in the dining room, right? The kitchen slash breakfast area, right? Breakfast nook area. The ceiling was came in and there was water all over the floor and everything else. So the house wasn't a total loss. It wasn't like the fire sprinkler system was damaged and hundreds of gallons of water deployed into the house. That's not what it was. It wasn't like the crawl space flooded up and flooded the whole first floor, including the crawl space. Like that's not what it was either. So it could have been a lot worse, right? And so we always have to look at the bright side of things. But this episode is going to be focusing on crisis management specifically for facilities, right? And it could also ebb and flow with other types of care, but you pick from it what you will, leave what will not work for you. But this is something that I think providers really need to be thinking about because a lot of times people aren't thinking about the management to a crisis until it happens. And that's not the best time to be thinking about how to find a solution to the problem. And we really, as entrepreneurs and the variety of forms that we are, should be focused on solutions. And that's why we're in business. That's what entrepreneurship is about, is 
providing solutions, right? And so crisis management specifically for this situation is what we're going to be talking about today. If you have a facility that houses individuals and provides care 24-7, you're really going to resonate with this episode. And if you are in a position to where you have another type of care, like I said, take what you will, leave what will not work for you or you don't feel will apply to you. All right, my friends. Hey there, if you are ready to make impact within your local community and you are ready to get started, I have something for you, so listen up. The Startup Provider Program is open for enrollment for a limited time. The Startup Provider Program is a self-study program over 12 weeks, so you can get on track with opening your business and care so much faster. We talk about everything from mindset and focus to clients and funding to licensing and certification and everything else in between, specifically focusing on that market research so that you can find the right license type and the requirements to open the business and care that you desire. So head over to startupprovider.com for more details. All right, now back to the show. So let's go ahead and get into the episode, okay? So a key component with getting your facility license is a disaster plan, right? This is what they tell you. You like you need to produce a disaster plan. It doesn't have to be anything super extensive or super robust, but you do need a plan to know like what are you going to do when this thing happens? What's the plan, right? And so we had a disaster plan as far as when things were going to happen, as far as like an earthquake or loss of power. And there's a couple other things we have in our disaster plan, but we did not necessarily have a full-blown plan like written down and procedure if the home floods, right? If there's a major leak. We were able to pull different pieces of the plan and put them together for this situation, but not every single situation is going to be identical. So the first thing we needed to do was really assess the property to see if the residents were even able to stay in there during this cleanup. And I really felt that I did not want our residents in the building per se when this cleanup was happening. So then it kind of goes to, okay, how long is this going to take to get it cleaned up? What's in the best interest of the residents? How do they deal with noise and their sensory issues or challenges that they might have? That might be too much. And so for our disaster plan, if something were to happen and we had to vacate that property, we were going to one of our Airbnb properties. That's what our plan had in store, okay? And if we didn't have that property, then the plan was to go to myself or Andre's house, right? He's my business partner, if you don't know. And that's a whole nother story. I won't get into what that is, 
but he is my business partner. So that was our original disaster plan that we had at the very beginning of our business. And so as we grew and evolved, we have another location, right? We're able to kind of switch that disaster plan up. So the individuals in one home, if one home was not habitable, they would go to the next home and vice versa. And then if that didn't work, then they would come to one of our homes, depending on what the issue was, right? And so for this situation, the the residents were not going to be able to stay in that house, not because the home wasn't habitable, but it was more so in a situation to where I felt they would be more comfortable at our other home. And so it seems like a quick little switcheroo thing to do. But when you have two licensed locations, two provider numbers, two license numbers, you know, there's a lot of paperwork and stuff that happens on the back end of that. Now, this stuff would have still had to happen even if we went to an Airbnb or we went to a hotel or they came to my house. Like this whole process still would have needed to happen, some piece of it, especially with the paperwork process. So what you want to look at is the type of crisis in the facility or in the operations, right? What is this going to look like? And then you can create a plan from there. So for us, what that looked like was the guys going over to the lady's house. There's room for them at that house. The property was big enough. The staffing ratios, all that stuff is still going to work. So we had to submit modification applications. And this was an email The way we got started on this and got the ball rolling, because that's my job, is to get the ball rolling to deal with this crisis, right? And so the first thing that I did was reached out to licensing and I explained the situation. I gave the location of the home, where they're going. I also let them know that we already reached out to a restoration company that's gonna be coming out and assessing the property. I gave estimated time frame, and then I asked for next steps. What do I need to do to make this happen? Because I knew I needed to do a modification of the license because the individuals from one home were going to the next home, right? But I didn't know what they needed me to put on that modification application for the guy's home because it wasn't like I'm increasing residents. It wasn't like I was closing. It wasn't like I was changing program administrator. So I needed to know exactly what they needed. And so licensing has been a dream with this whole situation. It does really depend on who you have. But in this situation, our licensing specialist um, was absolutely amazing. Shout out to Trisha. She is great. And so she responded back pretty quickly on what she needed. That was a safety plan that she needed. And she outlined every single thing that she needed in that plan. And then she also let me know what application or what needed to be done on those modification applications for each home. I got that back to her pretty quickly after she informed me of what it was. Now, while I was waiting for her response, I went ahead and emailed the guardians, email or text, depending on how we had those communication channels set up, but it needed to be in writing, right? So I informed all of the guardians of what was going to be happening. And 
I also let them know that I would be keeping them informed as to what the progress was and what the changes were as things progressed. People, it's normal for people to have questions, but if I left it as a situation of let me know any questions you have and let me know this, you know, all of this open-ended stuff, I would have been inundated with questions. All of our guardians are like absolutely fantastic. They're like gold standard. (laughs) And so they all responded like super great. And I'm super, super thankful that we have the guardians that we do. Nobody even came back with questions, but I wanted to make sure that they knew that I'm here to answer your questions and I'm going to keep you guys posted. I just did not have the time to be doing that right now. You know, because I gave them a pretty clear outline of what was happening. They were pretty much good. It wasn't like a two sentence text and left everybody questioning in the dark. So I was pretty thorough about what it was that was happening, what we are doing and why, right? And so making sure that you are able to explain the situation, explain what you are actually going to be doing because of that situation, and then that you will be keeping people posted. That is so important. And one of the things that the state wanted to know was if the guardians had been informed, right? Do they know what is happening? Because that's important. You can't just be moving people around and doing all these different things and not inform the guardian of what is going on, right? So then we had to think about staffing. What was going to happen with staffing? How many staff needed to be on board? One home was going to be, you know, getting renovation and stuff done to it. And we knew that we didn't need to have a lot of staff on shift, but we didn't need to have all of our people working if the two people in the one home and there's no clients in there, right? And so we were able to have it shift over to the ladies' home. We had our normal staff that were in there who have been absolutely awesome. All of our team members have been absolutely awesome. And then Andre has been really helping out and we've been doing everything we need to do to shuffle people and get people and transportation. We didn't want this to impact our residents' normal schedules that they had because it's really important that they have the consistency. And even though sometimes we can't avoid different crises or changing their schedule, right? we want to do our best to prevent that. And so we were able to deploy a staffing plan and implement this pretty quickly. And like I said, our team has been awesome. The next thing was really getting that house fixed, right? After all the paperwork was done, we really needed to get some contractors over to that house and to get some solid timelines on when this house was going to be back together. Well, (laughs) when you call a contractor, and I forgot the whole piece about the insurance, and I'll touch on that after this. I'll talk about the contractors really quick. When a contractor knows there is an insurance claim involved, they see dollar signs in their eyes. They can't even hide it. (laughs) They can't even hide it. It's like insurance claim oh my God, let's destroy everything in the house, even if it's good. And we're going to put new stuff in there because we know the insurance is going to cover everything. And I'm not that kind of person. Like I am not going to destroy a full kitchen because the demolition people are going to come in there and they're just going to be demoing everything, not caring if they're destroying 
cabinets that are perfectly fine and just tearing up flooring that is waterproof, right? We don't need to get rid of the flooring. Anyways, so it was really hard to find like honest contractors who were going to give you quick turnaround times, right? And not try to demo the full house just because there was a pretty bad leak. And I don't know if I have it on my socials by the time this episode comes out, I probably will. But I mean, there's a hole in the ceiling. I mean, and there's water everywhere, but doesn't necessarily mean our floor was totally destroyed. And so when we're getting timelines and quotes from people, they're like, oh, you know, this is something that we can come in and demo today, but to get it fixed, is going to take two to three months. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you don't understand. This is a facility. I need to get this thing back up and running as soon as humanly possible. And so we had to kind of find people to do this. And we we have our contractor that we've called, shout out to David Hahn. He's awesome. So he's coming to do some of the job for us. Let's talk about the insurance piece, because that was the thing that I really needed to know, too, was... How bad of a thing is this? Is this something that we pay out of pocket? Is this something that our insurance kicks in with? How bad of the damage is this? And when my husband, Douglas, went over to the property and he was checking it out, he called me. He's like, no, no, this job, it is a job. This is something that we need to file an insurance claim on. And that needs to happen now. And I wasn't over there at the property. I didn't know. I jumped on the camera. It seemed bad. I I just was like, oh my God. You know, there's so many things that flow through your head at that point. Was it the fire sprinkler system? Did a pipe burst? Like what is happening at this house? How much damage is it? Is there water leaking in the walls that we can't see? Like all of that stuff was kind of going on. But when he said like, this is a job where we need to file an insurance claim on the house. Like I was like, all right, let's go. So I had all of that information. You guys should have that in a place where you can access it anywhere in the world, right? So have a file on your phone or on your desktop, your laptop, your tablet, anything, you know, make sure you have access to this information because you do not want to be going through a spiral with trying to find all of this different stuff. You want to have it easily accessible, right? So I called our agent, a shout out to Leslie, and she filed the claim for me. She told me the next steps that were going to happen. And she was like, well, you know, the adjuster, I believe it's called, was going to come out and assess the situation. And then they would start working on getting a construction crew or estimates and all this stuff. She's like, it could take a little bit of time. Expect a call later today. Well, remember, this business is a machine. We don't have a half a day to waste for an insurance adjuster to call us back. We don't have that. So we're very proactive, Douglas, myself, and Andre, of making sure that this was going. And so there was a lot of different things that happened with that. But this happened at like 5 a.m. By 11 a.m., we have decided, okay, we're going to go ahead and deal with the floor ourselves. David is going to deal with the giant hole in the ceiling and the water, et cetera. And so we were already getting this rolling and we expect that the residents would be back in the home by Friday. So they would only be disrupted about three days. And that was a really realistic, obtainable goal for us because we couldn't have something that was going on 
for two and three months. Like that's not acceptable, right? We need to get this house back up and running. And so that is going to be us paying out of pocket, right? For a lot of the product, the reno, paying the contractor, all of that stuff is paid out of pocket because the insurance has processes and systems that they have to go through before they're going to approve anything, right? And so understanding that as a business, you need capital, you need credit to be able to pull from, right? Depending on how extensive this job is going to be, I guesstimate it was about 20 to 25,000. As far as what we've spent so far, we're probably at the $5,000 mark right now, maybe seven. And so it's just something that has to happen. Are we going to get it back? Absolutely. Right. But I don't have time to wait for an adjuster or anybody like that to issue anything to me. Like we have to do this stuff now. And when you can have a plan in place, it's so helpful. Start thinking of these things like now, right? Start thinking of them now. Did I have the exact email copy of what to send to my uh, licensing specialist? No, I didn't, right? I had to create that right then and there. Did I have the exact safety plan of what everything they, they were going to need? No, I didn't. I had to create that based off of what she wanted, right? I had to do all of these things, but if you do not have a baseline or anything to go off of, creating this stuff last minute is going to be so stressful and a really big headache, right? And it's just not going to be something that you're going to feel capable of doing. That's when you start getting all that doubt, right? Of, oh, I know this business was going to be too hard or this stuff isn't worth it or this isn't that, right? Or all of these negative thought process and mindset trash that comes into play when we are the leaders of our organization, we have created and built this machine that generates seven figures annually, we better have some plans in place so that we can still operate. Because this is not a situation to where you call a guardian or text a guardian or the decision maker and be like, oh, we're having a crisis. So you need to come pick so-and-so up, right? This is not the situation for that. You are responsible for the human lives, right? Now, if it was a situation where I told them the plan, the guardian, the plan, and they're like, oh, well, I'm not comfortable with that or I, I don't want that, then I would have went there and been like, okay, well, I understand. However, I'm not able to provide the care that you're asking me to at this point. So you will have to come and pick this individual up and keep them with you until we can get everything back to normal since you're uncomfortable with the procedure that we're going to move forward with, right? It would be in that kind of conversation we would have had. But if that wasn't happening, which it didn't, it is on the provider to make sure that they can take care of the individual no matter what the situation is, okay? So it's really important that you have a process for whatever crisis that you might have. And there's going to be different crises, right? This isn't going to be the only thing. There's going to be different ones. And it's really important that you have some idea of what it could be, some process so that you can maneuver through this because this is a time that your staff and your team are going to be looking at you and they're going to be looking to you for that leadership. 
automatically. This isn't a situation to where you get to sit back and um, maybe think about it. No, you need to take action now as the leader. This is your organization and you have to figure out the next steps to make this happen and to get the situation taken care of. And you need to remain professional, right? It was so nice. One of my work colleagues and friends, right? I can say that, reached out to me and was like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, can they stay there? Just out of total concern. And I appreciated it because as an entrepreneur in this space, sometimes you feel like, you know, nobody has your back. But she totally came with love. She totally came with empathy. She came with concern. She came with solutions. And I told her my plan and she's like, oh my God, like, of course you would have a plan. Of course you've got it together. And I told her at the beginning of my business, six years ago, six and a half years ago, this would have totally put me in a tailspin, right? Because nobody tells you what to do as a provider. It's like you come knowing everything, right? You come knowing how to do it all, but really you have no training, right? Nobody tells you all the things. So there's been a lot of, prior planning on the back end for me to really help me prepare for all of these things that happen and transpire, right? Again, this is not the only situation and crisis that we've had. This is not the only one we're going to have. There's going to be plenty of different other things that come up that we have to be prepared for. So when these things come up, this is not going to be a two-hour workday. I like to say I work about, you know, 10 hours a week, most weeks for my my agency, but this isn't going to be a 10-hour work week this week. This is going to be a longer work week, right? Because there's a lot of things that have to happen. And am I going to say I wasn't tired? No, I absolutely was tired. There was a lot of things that have to happen. I'm human, friends, but this is not the majority of my weeks at all. I want to talk a little bit about post-crisis. So I'm not out of the crisis totally yet, right? The home is not totally fixed. My residents are not yet back in the home. But I will tell you this, post-crisis is just going to be getting everything back on track to what it was prior to the crisis, right? Obviously talking about, you know, some staff training on what could be done and what should be done and what's the expectation during something like this. And everybody was pretty much great. There is a little bit of training that needs to be done. But for the most part, it's going to be getting back to, you know, how things were before this crisis happened, right? And getting back on track with what that is. And then continuing to deal with the insurance company because now all this stuff has to be settled out. And that's going to be something that I'm sure I'll be dealing with over the next couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months. So that's kind of what it's going to look like coming out of this situation. But I will tell you one thing, this situation definitely has made us stronger as an agency and has really allowed us to see the different safeguards that we've put in place to make this situation even more palatable because we already had a really good foundation in place and we weren't scatterbrains, right, with this whole situation and dealing with it. So coming out of it, it'll be good to be on the other side of it and to look back on it. I'm documenting the process to be able to share that with you all because it is something that I feel like people need to learn. So I hope you found 
value in this episode. I hope you share it with a friend. Tell me on Instagram or in the Facebook group what your key takeaways were from this episode and what action steps are you going to be taking to ensure that your current agency is thinking about a crisis management plan or what tweaks you're going to do to your current plan or what things you're going to put in place as you start your business and care because That, my friend, is super, super important. It has been a pleasure sharing this with you guys. I do want to mention everybody is okay. There were no injuries whatsoever. Everybody is fine. So I do want to leave you with that. And I'll see you on the next week's episode. Bye for now. Hey friend, if you resonated with this show, if you feel the desire to make impact, don't forget to head over to www.startupprovider.com so you can start making seven-figure impact and follow the show so you get notified when I drop a new episode. You can also come follow me on IG at underscore Ariana J. If you follow me there, let me know you came from the podcast. I really would love to meet you. Or you can join me in my private Facebook group, Assisted Living Group Home and Community Hub Providers. I hope to see you there.